what if there were a fountain of youth pill that could add decades to your life? Would you take it? Unlocking the Fountain is a podcast about the mysteries of aging and the scientific quest to slow, stop, or even reverse it. When do you think we're going to have the first 150-year-old? I think that person's already alive. Unlocking the Fountain. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. I'll just say, I never wanted kids. There's nothing wrong with that answer. When women are expected to say, oh, I'm not, I don't want kids, but I love kids. I'll take care of anyone's baby, blah, blah, blah. It's funny to me because I think if I turned the question around and said, well, why did you have kids? I don't know that people would respond well to that question. This episode is inspired, not sponsored, <laughs> by one of our producers, Erin Garrett. Let's give a listen to her story. When I was about 19 years old, I had a, an emergency surgery for a burst ovarian cyst, um, which was really kind of terrifying for someone who was 19. And the whole focus of my life was just kind of get into my degree. I had just started a job. Um, and when I came back to work, the first thing they asked me was, can you have kids? And it just felt kind of devaluing. It was something that I wasn't even considering. Um, it was at a point in my life where I'd never even really thought about kids. And um, if the outcome hadn't been so positive, to have so many people in my office just walking into my cubicle and asking me if I could have kids, like these kind of questions were things that people were really asking me in my workplace. And it felt really um, bad. And so it got me thinking about other women being asked these kind of questions like, you're back. Can you have kids? Oh, you're back. Are you are you still a woman? Elena, you would think that by now, at least I should be less surprised by the questions that are being asked. Right. But no. <laughs> they're pretty intrusive. But, you know, they're going to keep coming until we save the world and break them down. Yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> we're superheroes. <laughs> Aaron's story made us think about the expectations that get placed on women and sexism and all that jazz. So in today's episode, we're talking about why don't you have kids? This question gets asked to a ton of different kinds of people and not to ignore or erase that. But in this episode, we're going to be focusing in on women and women who are child free by choice. People are curious and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask, or at least not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. We're talking to Megan Dom. She's an author and a columnist whose work has been featured in The New Yorker, The Atlantic, and Vogue. She edited the New York Times best-selling anthology, Selfish, Shallow, and Self-Absorbed, 16 Writers on the Decision Not to Have Kids. And she has a dog, so you might hear some barking. Hi, Megan. Hi. So great to have you with us today. So, uh, Megan, have you been ever asked that why you don't have kids? I don't get asked why I don't have kids as much as I used to. But sure, I think like, you know, the truth is that I really never wanted kids. I spent a lot of my 20s just assuming that my biological clock would go off, that I would change my mind eventually, uh, meet the right person, et cetera, et cetera. I actually did meet the right person 
for a while and I got married, but I still didn't want to have a kid. Mm-hmm. I started thinking kind of a lot about how my my personal feelings dovetailed into the larger cultural phenomenon of most people in the world wanting to have kids, which they very much do, uh, and the kind of questions that surround those that feel differently. And it kind of just opened up a world of, of much larger existential questions that, frankly, I find fascinating and and that are ultimately more interesting than than the baby question itself. But of course, that's the question that leads into these larger ones. So, so uh you mentioned earlier that uh, you were asked this question uh, when you were in your 20s or whatever the age was but now people don't ask so is it because they know it or because <laughs> well i'm because i'm 48 years old they don't ask me anymore if i'm planning to have kids <laughs> okay right but what i meant to ask was do people still ask you why you chose not to have kids Sure. Yeah, I mean, but I think it's it's just I really don't find it offensive if people say do you have kids? To me that's just like saying um where do you live or what do you do or where did you grow up? Mm. I I really don't find it offensive and and actually one of the reasons that I put together the project uh Selfish Shallow and Self-Absorbed was because I really wanted to reframe the whole discussion, not just the way people uh with kids think about those of us who've chosen not to have them but also the way that we sort of handle those questions uh and talk about our decision i think has historically been coming from a defensive place mm-hmm. and the answers are often sort of glib and jokey and almost judgmental of parents mm-hmm. and i think that that kind of response only exacerbates the sorts of questions that that people find upsetting sometimes. So I really wanted to start a conversation in which we could change the entire sensibility around this issue. That's really interesting. I read that kind of the thesis for this book is that a choosing to be child-free isn't lazy or immature, um but that it actually honors good parenting kind of like you mentioned there. How do you feel that you know respecting the decision to be child-free kind of in turn honors people who do choose to have kids and are good parents. I mean to me it's saying, you know, look, this is a really hard job. It's an incredibly important job. It needs to be taken seriously. It should not be done by people who don't want to do it. Um and therefore I I'm deciding not to do it for all these reasons and and the idea that somehow choosing not to have kids is saying to parents, well, you're a loser. Um <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense. So yeah, I I have found actually that the more the more I talk about this in in this new way and encourage other people to parents have really come around and and find the whole thing fascinating. I mean, it's funnily enough, the the book was on the bestseller list in the parenting and childcare category. <laughs> it was a big hit with parents, which I actually knew it would be because ultimately these aren't questions about being a parent or not being a parent um as much as talking about what kind of life we want to have and what it mm. means to be an adult and mm. and what it means to be fulfilled and these are universal questions from putting together this anthology what were some of the reasons that the different writers had for being child free by choice um it ranged from having had a childhood that was less than happy mm-hmm. um having been raised by parents who were themselves ambivalent about parenthood feeling economically insecure um 
simply some in some cases just not really enjoying the company of children um and that's a statement that is still really taboo to say mm -hmm. I, i'm not sure anybody actually came out and said that in the book actually right, I would have right. loved it if somebody had mm. um but i it it really ran the gamut do a lot of these people you know feel a pressure to be more part of the norm how does society perceive these people who make this choice yeah, well, I think that um, there is a notion that somehow you're not an adult until you have kids. The only thing that will make you less selfish is if you have a child. The only thing that will make you responsible is if you have a child. The only way to stop being a child yourself is to have a child. And I think that that is a very unexamined set of ideas. You don't have to look very far to find all sorts of people who are parents and who are also incredibly selfish and childish themselves, I, I can't tell you how many parents have admitted to me, look, I had kids because I wanted them. It was a selfish act. You can flip that around and say, what's more selfish? Not having kids so you can spend your time as you wish or having kids so you can create an extension of yourself. Harv is nodding understandingly. <laughs> Did you have kids for a selfish reason? <laughs> okay. Mm, I still have to think why I had kids. It's been so long. <laughs> I'm Kimia Dennis. I'm a sociologist and criminologist. And I also created and teach the first known college course about the child free. Why don't you have kids? I no longer feel compelled to explain to people. Now, if it's someone who's considering not having children, I'll say, well, here's some things for you to consider. If it's someone who regrets having children, I'll say, well, I am a non-judgmental ear. If it's someone who I know and they really just want a good discussion, I'll engage them, but it's not like I'm really explaining because my only explanation for why don't you have kids is because I don't want them. Now, a lot of people want to delve further. They're like, but it's got to be more to it. I says, well, I could talk a lot about it. But the most important thing is you don't want them. I don't feel obligated to convince people that I like kids. That's a very gendered dynamic as well. When women are expected to say, oh, I'm not, I don't want kids, but I love kids. I'll take care of anyone's baby, blah, blah, blah. I have five nieces and nephews. I have kids in my life who I love. And I say that only because having these kids in my life solidified that I don't want my own kids. We'll be back with Megan Dom in a moment. But first, I spoke to Dr. Amy Blackstone. She's a sociology professor at the University of Maine. Her research on choosing to be child-free has been featured in places like the Washington Post and the Atlantic. She and her husband run a blog about being child-free by choice called We're Not Having a Baby. Her book, Child-Free by Choice, is coming out in June 2019. What made you want to study uh, the choice to be child-free? It actually started out more as a personal quest to understand myself. Mm, nice. <laughs> I realized upon a lot of thought that I wasn't feeling that same pull toward motherhood that so many of my friends seem to be feeling. And so I started um, really just by exploring the research, the literature on um, the child-free choice. And I think one of the most important things that I came to understand that I now um, hope to help spread the word about is that there was absolutely nothing wrong with me. There isn't any scientific 
evidence of a thing that we call maternal instinct of a woman's drive to become a parent. Uh, you know, of course, we have a biological urge to have sex, but the, but there's that's a it's a pretty large leap to to assume that because as humans we're driven to have sex that we're also driven to parents and make that com- you know that lifelong commitment. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how what a relief um, it was to discover. Oh, hey, you know, it's not that there's something wrong with me that my biological clock is broken or that I'm, you know, somehow less than, uh, it's that we are socialized into these roles. And, um, you know, it's not that at my heart and my core, there's something wrong with me. Right. What are maybe some other assumptions that you've noticed, uh, that can come up about child-free people, women, especially. One of the things we hear about women in particular, um, is that, they're not real women unless they've, you know, become mothers and experienced the miracle of childbirth. Mm. Um, there's lots of fears about dying alone and questions about who will take care of you when you're old mm. um, and that you'll live to regret your choice, that you'll be old and, you know, miserable and bitter in your old age. Right. Is there with that? you know, you're not a real woman kind of thing. Is there any sort of similar pressure that men get? Or is that do they just not have that pressure at all? It's a different question for women than it is for men. And the responses are very different. So for women, we assume that it is at the heart and soul of who they are as women. And for men, there isn't the same sort of questioning about their masculinity or about their realness as men. Yeah, I guess I've never really heard the idea that, like, you're not a real man until you, like, make kids. Like, it doesn't really fit with our image of idealized manhood. No, it doesn't. And in fact, some of the child-free men that I've interviewed in my own research, they're male friends who are parents. Some some of them um, congratulate them for sort of escaping this thing that they didn't manage to get around. It's, It's almost like they're heroic for being able to avoid parenthood. Wow. We read an interview where you mentioned that you've gotten a lot of intrusive questions from doctors. One example was that a doctor kept trying to get you to take prenatal vitamins, even though you'd already made it clear that you didn't want kids. What's it like navigating the healthcare system as a child-free person? For my 40th birthday, um, I I got a tubal ligation and I <laughs> uh, only got it after the gauntlet of questions from um, my doctor about, uh, you know, am I sure I really want to do this? Right. And the irony is that if you ask men about their experiences of requesting um, sterilization, they don't get the same kind of pushback from doctors. They aren't mm. questioned and they aren't told that they will change their minds. So again, back to this idea that we think women are naturally driven to mother, Mm. uh, even though we don't have evidence that that's true. Yeah, the idea that you're probably going to or at least might regret your decision uh, down the road. Did you hear that a lot in your research? Yes. Um, And it's fascinating to me because we don't hear people talk about that <laughs> as much when they t- talk about considering or becoming parents. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable to consider questions of regret, but I also know that none of us can predict the future and that there's always a chance we'll make a choice that we wish we hadn't made. But if you look at older child-free people 
they're happy in their old age. They they don't report regret of their choice. They're engaged in their communities. They have strong social networks. They're not bitter and alone. The data would suggest that, that they're going to be just fine. Mm. Your book, Child Free by Choice, is coming out soon. Uh, in the process of writing this, was there anything you found that really interested you or surprised you? Yeah, um, I'm glad you asked. So one of the things that became really interesting to me over the course of the research and revealed itself as I was doing the interviews was uh, this idea of family. Child-free people create family in really creative uh, and inspiring ways and, and ways that I think really expand our notion of what counts as a family. People are doing the golden girling thing. So sharing houses or um, finding younger people to share homes with. And social scientists, um, when they think about what counts as a family, often describe the roles that families fill uh, for people. And those roles include providing emotional and sexual intimacy for members. They provide economically for their members. And then they engage in reproduction. One thing we forget about when we talk about reproduction is that reproduction is both social and biological. And social reproduction is all of the stuff that we do to help rear the next generation. So we teach um, kids our norms, our values, and our beliefs. And those um, teachings, that role is not limited to parents. Um, Teachers play an important role in kids' lives social workers, doctors, nurses, police, aunts and uncles, we all have the opportunity to help rear the next generation. Is why don't you have kids an inappropriate question uh, in your view? And does context change things? As a sociologist, I have to say that, of course, context matters. (laughs) Um, It's funny, personally, and I think for some of the child-free people I've interviewed, it's actually easier to answer that question when you don't know someone as well. Um, because if it comes from your parents uh, or your sibling, part of what may be behind their question is, well, aren't you going to give me grandchildren or, or won't you have cousins? And won't there be cousins for my kids? Mm. Having these discussions with the people in whose lives we're intimately involved is harder than having them with random strangers. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny to me because I think if I turned the question around and said, well, why did you have kids? I don't know that people would respond well to that question. Hmm. So it's funny to me that we feel free to ask why not, but but the question of why uh, is not as appropriate or considered to be as appropriate. Right. I wouldn't want to discourage people from talking about the child-free choice as as an option. I wouldn't want to discourage people from thinking about parenthood as an option. I mean, I think we should encourage people to think deeply about whether or not they become parents. So if if the thing that's going to make that happen is to ask the inappropriate question, why don't you have kids? Then I guess where I land is that, well, it may be inappropriate and it may be uncomfortable. I do hope that people continue to ask it. Earlier in this episode, you heard from Amy's colleague, Kimia Dennis. Here's Kimia talking a little bit more about the research she has done on child-free people from the African diaspora. I conducted the first known study that is only 
with child freed by choice, people who identify as black, African-American, or of immediate African descent. Some common assumptions or misconceptions about child free people. Well, within African diaspora communities, there are people who say we are sinning. We don't understand God's purpose. It's this idea also that you have to defer to the elder women. So if grandmother, your mother tells you to have kids or says she had a dream about you having kids, then that means you shouldn't think about it critically. You have to have kids. Another thing African diaspora cultures is it's also, although there's a culture of adoption in terms of taking care of family members, if you decide you're not having a biological child, but you want a, an adopted child, there are people who will say, why are you adopting and not having your own? That's not a real child. Like if you don't have it biologically out of your own belly, then it's not real. Being African diaspora and permanently child-free by choice is considered whitewashing, white assimilation. It's considered taking us from our culture, considered taking us from our identity, considered taking us from our spirituality, because African diaspora people are very proud of our cultures, but we also are proud because our cultures have been stolen, altered, destroyed, dividing African diaspora families, taking children away from the mothers, taking men away from the families, and all sorts of stuff. So when you have a culture where it's centuries of history of that happening, it makes people even more adamant about holding on to the culture. And this notion that there is a natural test that all African diaspora girls and women must endure. Your true test is if it's a difficult pregnancy and you stick to it and you show your strength. Like if you almost die, you've earned your, your ribbons. Congratulations. And we're back with Megan Dom. Did it ever occur to you that you would have been better off having a kid or you never stand f- steadfast no okay i i would if i had a child i would have risen to the occasion i would have done the best job i could i'm sure i would love my child i don't think i would love my life mm. and every kid deserves a parent who loves their life i i really feel strongly that that there's lots of ways um, to live in the world that can benefit your community uh, without having kids. And I also think that it's really important for kids to grow up in communities where they see that there are all kinds of ways of being an adult, that you can be a person who cares about kids and, and helps in the community and, and provide strong role models without necessarily being someone's parent. Um, and that's, you know, I, I think that that's another sort of aspect of this that, that gets overlooked. That makes a lot of sense. I myself have a ton of adult role models who aren't my parents or even parental figures to me. I'm looking at a role model right now. Oh, now I'm blushing. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, there's like no one way to be an adult role model for someone, right? Like you don't have to be a parent. Absolutely. I absolutely agree with you. Um, Megan, then uh, did I kind of get because we we spoke a lot of in detail about a lot of things. But so do do I did I get it right that at this time, 
from your perspective, there is no stigma or any pressure or any such thing uh, if you uh, choose not to have kids? I would be very sad to hear that somebody who chose not to have kids uh, routinely encountered people who were very mean to them about it or extremely judgmental to their face. I think people get a lot of pushback from their own families. I mean, I certainly know people who, who've chosen not to have kids whose relatives and parents are pretty nasty to them about it. Um, that's really sad to me. Um, but I don't think that like, if somebody asks me, do you have kids? I, I don't consider that like, a microaggression or anything. Right. I just consider that a question. It's like, like I said in the beginning of this conversation, that's that's just a basic question. What if someone asks something that's a bit more pointed and kind of assumes, kind of reinforces the norm that having kids is the norm? Something like, why don't you have kids? Or when are you going to have kids? I, I am totally fine with that, mostly because when somebody asks me that, which they do fairly often, I'll just say, I never wanted kids. Maybe once or twice, the person's really pushed it. And I've just said, you know what? I really don't like kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and then um, I have to raise their hands. (laughs) No, and you know, I I have to say, it's it's not infrequent that I will say something like that. I just, it just wasn't for me. I never really wanted kids. And the person will say, oh, that's interesting. I never really wanted them either, but I have them. you know, sometimes I don't know. I think I often find that by being honest, I, I give the person permission to to be honest back. I think mm. often among parents, there's this kind of tacit uh, code where you, you can't kind of admit out loud that, that you have moments of regret, right? you know, right. that, that you have moments of ambivalence. I mean, everybody does. That's completely natural. Yeah. Um, but if I, if somebody said, why don't you have kids? And I sat there and said, well, I, I'd rather have a million dollar house. I think that kind of response deserves a rude response. Right. That's a rude thing. To, that, that's a, that it would be rude if I said that. So I guess I would just encourage people to stop thinking of it in terms of like, this is what I'm supposed to do as a human being and say, okay, well, I'm lucky enough to live in a time and place where this is not necessarily imposed upon me. Sometimes it is. But if I'm lucky enough not to have it imposed upon me, how can I think about this in a way that really honors my own authenticity, my own authentic self, um, as well as the choices that other people make? So where can our listeners find your work and find you on social media? Um, I'm on Twitter at Megan underscore Dom and Megan is spelled M-E-G-H-A-N. And my last name is D-A-U-M. Um, I have a number of books. I'm going to be writing regularly for medium.com. Cool. Um, so you'll be able to find me there. And um, yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pr- pretty, pretty Googleable. So <laughs> thanks Great. so much for speaking to us. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure, Megan. I'm Harvinder Vadva. And I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. Thanks so much to our guests, Megan Dom, Amy Blackstone, and Kimia Dennis. You should also make sure to check out our webcomic. This episode, it was illustrated by Patricia Flaviana. You can find her at Child Free Doodles on Instagram. 
Follow us on all the socials at IQ underscore podcast and talk to us. We want to hear from you. The audio architects behind this podcast are Sabrina Birch, Aaron Garrett, Cindy Long, and myself. Thank you to our interns and associates, Noah Khan, PR Netta, Faria Ahmed, and Haley Krishman. We are supported by the Ryerson University Transmedia Zone. An inappropriate question is like going outside on a sunny day only to realize it's minus 30 degrees Celsius. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.